0: If I were to tell you that there was something through which you could immediately grow in humility and holiness, grow closer to the Lord, and you would feel better, this thing would uh, release endorphins and dopamine, it would enhance lung function, serotonins, would decrease your pain, decrease anxiety, and... At the same time, it would cause this fast-track social bonding with all those who were gathered here with today. Would you do this thing? It's an easy thing to do, but not everyone does it. Many people choose not to. So hold on to that thought. I'll tell you what this thing is in a little bit. OK? To help you to do this thing, We're looking at the book of Revelation. So all during uh, year C, the third lectionary cycle, during Easter, we have readings from the book of Revelation. So the resurrected Lord appears to John, the Apostle John. He um, identifies himself as a resurrected Lord, the one with the wounds, but one that's coming with a message for his church. He says to him, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. The church has chosen these readings throughout Easter to help you respond to that question about, you know, now the Lord has resurrected, now what? How do we live with this? What does this mean to follow the resurrected Lord? So to answer this question, we have these readings from the book of Revelation all during this time. How do you live now that he's risen? Uh, so in this book, we read in the first few chapters that uh, our Lord wanted to get a message to these seven churches. These are seven churches that were located in Asia Minor. And though, although they were specific churches that were located there, this also, in a way, this letter is written to the whole of the church. That's what seven means. Revelation is full of symbols. Well, seven means complete completeness. This letter was written not only to those seven churches, but to all of us, to the entire church. And our Lord, as he was speaking to John, he gave to John for these churches, for us really, a critique of them. A critique from the Easter Lord, from the resurrected Lord. He said that although many of them had good characteristics, you know, they were laboring well, they were enduring well, They did a good job at identifying correct teaching, pointing out error, testing what is true and what's not. Yet our Lord said that they had lost their first love. Some of these churches had stumbled into disobedience, uh, especially as it came to sexual sins, others to worship of money, others to being asleep. You ever come to the Mass on Sunday morning and you're you're kind of asleep, just kind of going through the motions? So these are some of the critiques that our Lord is pointing out to these churches. And he said to them, he said, you need to return to your first love. Return to what you did at first. And he left them with a stark warning. He said, if they did not, if you do not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. And that is exactly what happened. None of these seven churches are in existence today. All of their lampstands, as our Lord put it, has been removed. Uh, These are all Muslim territories now, today. So this begs the question of you, of me, How are we responding to the resurrected Lord? What do our lives look like? Have have we fallen away from what we did at first, from our first love? The answer, and and how do you respond to this? What do you do if you have done that? The answer comes in the next few chapters of Revelation. In in Revelation chapter 4, suddenly John is swept up into the heavens the scripture says that he went through like, it was like a, like a door, a doorway into heaven. And he goes into this place and begins describing what sounds very similar to a Catholic mass. So Here John is in his vision being swept up into the heavens, and he sees what looks like what we're doing here today. He sees gold, and he sees uh, angels and priests and people in white robes and uh, scrolls for reading. Uh, uh, He hears people singing, holy, holy, holy. Or we do, uh, sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. And of course, the readings, there's a scroll. Just like we have readings at Mass. And then, that's chapter 4. And then chapter 5 in Revelation. Revelation. Uh, the Lord takes this scroll. There's concern, the book says, about who can open this scroll, who's worthy to open it. And it's, they said, the lion of the tribe of Judah. You expect this very triumphant-looking figure to come forward. But what actually appears is a lamb that looks as though it's been slain. You know, in the liturgy, when the priest turns and he shows you the blessed sacrament, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. It's uh, the blessed sacrament that's been broken, broken that's been fractured. It reminds us of this passage in Revelation, the Lord standing as though slain. When the Lord comes forward in the book of Revelation uh, to open this scroll, to share about himself through the readings, all of heaven bursts into joy. They start singing. They start rejoicing because the Lord has come. The Lord is in their midst. Musical instruments. Oh, what does this remind you of? All these things, these sights, these sounds. Where do we have musical instruments and incense and singing? At The Mass, right? John is describing the Mass. When we come together, we're not only participating in a reflection of the heavenly liturgy. No, this is the heavenly liturgy. This unites us with what's taking place in heaven. Lots of churches have steeples. The reason that they have steeples is because the place where where mankind meets with God is on the mountaintop. You remember Moses, he'd go up to the mountain to meet with God. The church, the mass, is the place where heaven meets earth. Something miraculous takes place here. This is heavenly worship that we're entering into. That is what John was seeing. So I need to stop here and kind of pull all this together, pull it into context. So remember in the first chapter or two of Revelation, all Lord was coming with a warning to the churches, saying, go back to what you did at first. Okay, well, what exactly does that mean? All of a sudden, the heavens open up. This, this vision that John is getting of heavens, of worship and praying and singing, of the Mass, This is what it means to do what you did at first. To fully give of yourself in the Mass, in the prayers, in singing. Allow this to revive your faith. Pray these prayers well. You know, it's easy to get distracted in the Mass. That's normal. Uh, The Lord gives allows you to have those temptations so you can continually turn back to Him. So you can continually choose Him. So if you're distracted... You know, say, Lord, help me, and he'll help you. Then pray that mass well. Pray with all of your hearts and sing. I would encourage you to sing. This is a a holy obligation, an action of obedience, an important part of our identity, an important part of the mass. In Revelations 5, 9, it says, When the Lord appeared, it says they sang a new hymn. In verse 12, it says, they cried out in a loud voice. This is what was taking place in our reading that we heard today. They sang fully. Uh, you know, we have this asked of us again and again all throughout Scripture. Our Lord saying, We read about that in the Scripture. The Blessed Mother, she sang. Uh, the disciples, David, Moses, many others, saying, "We got this entire book of the Bible, one of the longest books, the Psalms," has nothing but songs. This is a really, really important part of who we are, an important part of turning back to what you did at first, uh, turning back to that love, stirring up that love of the Lord. If you truly love Jesus, then you must sing. Now I know what you might be thinking. You know, I'm a bad singer and I don't really you know, know these songs very well and I'm kind of grumpy on Sunday mornings and so I don't sing. I would encourage you to uh, you know, think about what a teenager does or a child. When there, this is the time when, when people are first beginning to discover music. What do they do? They play the songs way too loud And they sing with all their hearts and they might sing bad and it might not be always the best. But there's this beautiful love that's shared. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter. Lovers sing. That is what they do. You know, if you're not the best singer, that's okay. This is a beautiful way to grow in humility. Humility. You now, as you're uh, responding to in, in the, to this action of obedience, uh, sing anyway. Uh, those of you around you who might be maybe a little better singers, uh, it's a great opportunity for them to grow in patience, to grow in love. So sing, sing with all your heart. Turn back to the Lord. You know all those benefits that I mentioned at the beginning of the homily. Uh, can all come through singing, through praying the Mass well, doing this well, Um, growing in holiness and humility and obedience, increasing your your serotonin levels and dopamine and group bonding, lowering anxiety, decreasing pain. All these things come about as singing, fully giving of yourself to the Lord in this way. If you want to turn back to the Lord, fully give of Him, stirring up your faith, doing what you did at first, Sing, pray the Mass well. This is who we are as a people. S- pray and sing unto the Lord with all of your heart. Today we're entering into uh, you know, this reflection on the book of Revelation. It was originally written to seven churches who were beginning to stumble, beginning to fall away. And the Lord warned them that if they didn't go back to what they did at first, then their candle stands would uh, be removed. And they were. This is uh, a warning to all of us about the urgency of turning to the Lord, of praying well, of singing well, of uniting with all of heaven in this liturgy, following uh, our resurrected Lord. He's calling us to do. We did it first. Pray well to sing well, that God may be glorified. Amen.